Welcome to the Adventure Church Podcast. We're so glad you're here. Today we are celebrating Mother's Day with a message from Pastor Cheryl called Mirrors. This is such an encouraging message that everyone can relate to. Happy Mother's Day. We hope you enjoy this message. So I know today is Mother's Day and some of you men and some of you kids, you're all kind of going, well, okay, we'll just sit back because she's going to talk all about moms. Um, yeah, I'm going to talk about moms. But at the same time, I'm going to be honest with you. I believe that this, is, uh, this message today is really for everybody. Everybody should be able to get something out of this. And I know you're also looking at the platform and you're saying, oh, she's going to preach to us about mirrors. And you're going, okay, what is she going to say to us about mirrors? Well, let me tell you, one of the things is I kind of went off of something that um, my mother-in-law, CJ's mom, was just all into home interiors and she sold home interiors. And they had a model, Think Mink was their model. So she'd have all these little mink things and everything. But when we were first married and we were decorating our homes, she would always say to me, and so this is part of my mother-in-law, a little black, a little white, a little brass or gold, and a little glass brings a lot of class. And so she would always say, when you're decorating a room, add these little bits, make sure every room has just a little bit of one of these items in it, and it will add a lot of class to your decor. Does it always look like that? No. But that is, though, this is in thoughts of my mother-in-law. But how many of you have ever watched the show Shark Tank? Anybody watch Shark Tank? Okay. So on there, what basically, if you haven't watched it, what it is, is there's a bunch of self-made millionaires and billionaires. And there's six, basically the core group is six of them. So Mark Cuban, and Mark Cuban is um, the owner of the Mavericks. And there is uh, Lori... On. Um, uh, let's see, Lori Grenier. And Lori Grenier started on uh, um, that home shopping network where, uh, what is it called? QVC, doing the mop that rings itself out type of thing. And also uh, Barbara Cochran. And Barbara is like a, a real estate mogul. She's just really huge in real estate. Robert Hervac. I don't know all, I don't remember what, he, does anybody remember what Robert? how he got his wealth. I'm not sure, but I do know this is that I've heard his story about sharing about his parents as immigrants and just all, just how literally each of these people um, came from nothing and worked their way up. And also Damon John, Damon John started making the clothes and things like right out of their, his mom's kitchen and living room and mom was helping him. And then Kevin O'Leary and Kevin O'Leary, um, they call him Mr. Wonderful on the show. And if you ever watch the show, I don't know why they call him Mr. Wonderful because he's pretty brutal. He, he, he's not very wonderful. But on the show one time, an inventor came on and the inventors come on and what they're trying to do is they're trying to get an investor to invest in their product. And so they, this uh, inventor came on and he was, they were introducing, it was actually a couple of women and they were introducing um, a particular mirror. And this mirror was a little bit what you would call convexed. So I guess it's kind of like rounded outward a little bit. And by being that way, it makes items appear smaller. So what they wanted to do was they wanted to create mirrors that would go in department store dressing um, rooms. So that way, when you went in there, no matter what you put on, it, you would appear smaller. So you would be more likely then to buy those items. Okay, let's be real. I don't care if you're a man or a woman. If you go in 
and that outfit makes you look big, do you buy it? No. You're like, no, we're not going to. I can go out and my husband can say, no, it looks great on you. But if I go back in there and look at that in the mirror again, go, mm, no, that's not happening. Um, it, it just doesn't, you know, that's, yeah. So their idea was um, department stores would make more money if they installed these mirrors. And I have to say, I was really proud of all the investors because all the investors said, absolutely not. They would not be part of something that was so false that there is so much with people having all these hangups about their image already about, am I too big? Am I too small? Am I too short? Am I too tall? Do I have red hair, black hair, blonde hair? I mean, there's all these questions. And so people are pink hair, you know, and so all these questions about what they have and do I fit the right image? Do I not fit the right image? Okay. So you get up in the mirror in the morning, you look in the mirror and you kind of go, you fix your hair, you do whatever. Um, though this is pretty close to being true. My husband takes almost as long to blow dry his hair as I do. <laughs> I don't know. Our kids are always like, how do you get ready, Mom? And half the time, Dad does. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I have no answer for it. But I can say this is that the thing is, is that with the mirrors is that these people all said, we're not going to invest in this because we are not going to encourage a society to think any more about their image in that way. We want them just to believe in who they are themselves. And that really meant a lot to me. Now, my dad was, my dad teaches a lot of survival stuff. And so he was always teaching us kids something. And so I don't know if any of you remember the show MacGyver. You remember MacGyver? So my husband calls me MacGyver because my dad taught us all these things. So like one time when he drove the car, it was an accident, you know, the roads were slick and so he went into the ditch and he's we it was really cold out and we were in an area on one of these back roads and probably nobody was going to come and help pull us out and he was going to have to walk to go get help and I said just wait a minute my dad taught me just let's go over here we got all this woods right around us start picking up branches because we had a shovel in there so we shoveled and then we stuck the branches down underneath the tires and he's going babe, come on. I'm just going to start walking. I'm like, no, just bear with me. And so anyways, pretty soon we were able to drive out on those branches. And so, you know, just little things that my dad would uh, teach us. And one of the things he did with mirrors was if you're ever like lost in the wilderness and you need to start a fire, you can use your mirror to start a fire. Of course, you have to make sure there is sun shining, and it may take a while. It is definitely not your fastest method of starting a fire, but you can start a fire that way. So he would always say to us, um, like for my siblings that wore glasses, don't leave your glasses sitting in the car because if the sun's reflecting through them, you don't want it burning a hole in the postery or whatever. He'd always say that to us. Um, Now, mirrors have been used to get, people have actually been rescued by rescue planes by somebody taking a mirror or even a metal object to get the reflection off of it. Mirrors are used in photography. Anybody else got a use for mirrors? Go ahead, yell it out if you do. Look around the corner. Yeah, yeah. 
Somebody's watching you. <laughs> yeah. So <clears throat> these mirrors, they have, um, they show reflection. Some reflections we like, some we don't. Some we look in the mirror some days and we go, good hair, bad hair, hat head. You know, it's like, get a hat, put it on. And we just have to make those decisions. But the definition of a mirror is a reflecting surface originally of polished metal, but now usually of glass with a silvery or metallic or amalgam backing. So if I understand amalgam backing correctly, it's actually on the back of mirrors now so that it also, um, when a glass breaks, it doesn't shatter everywhere. It kind of holds it a little bit more, but also the amalgam makes that reflective uh, part come out better. So it's also a surface set into a frame attached to a handle for use in viewing oneself or an ornament. Okay, so I always get these mirrors and I put them in my little, you know, I have this thing for getting ready in the morning, my, my beauty kit. And I've always kind of been like, why do they always sell these mirrors? One side is just normal. And then you flip it over and you go, woo! You know, it's like, Okay, I didn't expect to see all of that that quick. You know, it's it's like, wow, you know? It's just right there, and it's big, and it makes everything. So I guess that mirror you consider concaved, is that correct? So it makes things further away appear bigger. And so in that, um, I didn't understand why they always have to sell it like that. As I get older, my eyesight changes, and these are compliments of my husband this morning. If you were part of him teasing about my glasses last week. Uh, but the thing is, is that, you know, with these mirrors now, now without putting reading glasses on in the morning, I'm like, oh, this side is wonderful now. After all these years, I finally have a use for that side of the mirror. But, you know, <clears throat> a mirror is also can be a reflecting surface, such as the surface of calm water or under uncertain, uh, under certain lighting conditions. And so, how many of you have that, what's it called, Northern Northern Lights on Facebook or whatever? Excuse me, I got an itch. Um, but on Northern Lights or whatever, do you know what I'm saying on Facebook? Some of you have that? Okay, if you don't, get on there. People are always putting pictures that they take in the area um, around Wisconsin. And so in that, you can see people will take pictures where um, maybe it's right by a lake and you see the trees here and then you see the reflection down in the water and they're, it's just beautiful. And so um, that's also one of the ways that it's reflective is off water. Now, a verb for the verb for mirror is to reflect in or as if in a mirror, to reflect as a mirror does, to mimic or imitate something accurately. That's scary. To be or to give a faithful representation, image, or idea of, such as her views on political um, politics mirror mine. You know what I'm saying? When somebody has the exact same politics views. Well, you know, it is Mother's Day, and for the sake of Mother's Day, I'm going to keep referencing Mother's Day. But like I said before, this is for dads. This is for everybody today. That the bottom line is, is that what we are doing, our children are going to be a reflection of us. And I can tell you, we can think of all the good things that we've done, but they are a reflection. Some of these reflections we like. Some of them we don't like. So... When Peyton, our granddaughter Peyton was little, when she was a baby, she spent a lot of time with us, and they lived with us for about six months, and we babysat her a lot, and I have a really bad habit. I have tried to break myself of it. 
I'm not very successful in it. And that is that I say, I'm sorry. I mean, if you blew up a building, I'd look at you and say, I'm sorry. I didn't do it. I'm still going to be sorry for both of us, even if I have nothing, no part of it. So I'm really sorry I do it, but I'm sorry. So (laughs) Peyton now walks around all the time. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And we've literally, I've told her, I said, if you say I'm sorry one more time with your, when you're with me today, I am going to paddle your hiney. I don't want to hear I'm sorry, sorry anymore. I mean, it's that bad. Okay, so in walking, sometimes my lower back hurts. So when my lower back hurts, it just kind of helps if I walk like this. It just kind of helps my lower back with both my hands back there. So when our little granddaughter, Zion Joe, started walking, how do you think she walks? I don't know why she puts the waddle in there. I do not waddle. But that's, that's how she walks. But so often, we are trying to encourage our friends. And we always, when we're encouraging them, we always want to share a certain scripture with them. And the scripture is Psalms 139, 14. And it says, I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. And your works are wonderful. And I know that full well. We can say that to our friends. But you know what we do? We tell them, you're wonderful. You're wonderful. You're great. Believe in yourself. You've been beautifully and fearfully and wonderfully made. What is wrong with you? Oh, my goodness. And that's what we do to ourselves. We can encourage other people that they're wonderful, but we turn around and we criticize ourselves. Now, I will tell you, I had a near-perfect mother. She, she was pretty great. She had a few, you know, not-so-goods, but... Now that she's dead, she's considered a saint. So she's a saint. But, you know, once you die, it's all going to go away anyways, and everybody will remember the good. So just count on that. But for my mother, one of the things that she would do is every time we went to a beauty shop to get my hair cut when I was little, she would whisper as if I couldn't hear. She would whisper to the beautician, don't cut it too short or her ears will show. And she has really big ears. So, hence, you will never see me in a ponytail. I do not put my hair back. I cover them as best as I can. Um, But what I started doing was I would say, when I would go to the beauty shop and I would take my daughter with us, with me, I would say, don't cut my hair too short around my ears because I don't want my ears to show. I never once said that about my daughter. I said it about me. If you have a low self-esteem, you are likely to have children with low self-esteems because it's what you're putting out there. So my daughter started getting an image of her ears because what she heard me say. And all of a sudden, she started making a decision not to put her hair back in ponytails anymore. And I was saying, what is wrong with you? Put your hair back in a ponytail. You look so cute. And she goes, well, no, mom, I think I have big ears. It's kind of like this. Growing up as a collier, my maiden name is Collier. Well, the colliers have really big, like, schnozzes. I mean, like, it's a ball. The end of their nose is like a huge round ball. So growing up as a child, I always did this every day. Dear Jesus, please help it not to grow like that, please. (laughs) And I figured I was helping mold it correctly. And so, but in the same sense, we're molding our children. So now, stop and think. If you say every day, oh, I hate my nose. I've got the worst nose in town. I hate my nose. It is so ugly. 
and somebody comes along and your child is by and say, you look just like your mama. You've basically told your child, you are just as ugly as I am. That's the truth. That's how kids process things. They process it. Oh, if mama's got an ugly nose, I must have an ugly nose. I will tell you this. I know that I am not a skinny mini like I used to be. I know that. Do I want to be thin? Lord, yes. It's probably just not in the cards for me anymore. I don't know. If God ever blesses me with being thin again, I will thank him. I praise him. But I praise him and I thank him just as much today as I would then. And I will tell you this, my mother at one point, I don't know what she weighed all my life. I know her weight went up and down. I know that when she was younger, I've seen the pictures of how thin she was at her wedding, everything else. And then after us children, she was not as thin. And I went to um, the doctor with her for one of her cancer appointments. And it was when she was first diagnosed with cancer and she was having her first surgery. And they said my mother weighed at that point 270 some pounds. So that's not really skinny, but I will tell you, you would never have known it. Not once did my mother not put her swimming suit on and go swim with us. She put her swimming suit on and got out there and swam with us. My mother never walked around acting like some, oh, 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 but, but my legs are this, or oh, my, my butt's that, or no. My mom accepted who she was. She tried to lose weight. She tried every diet. I saw her trying all these diets. I saw her trying. But my mom had self-confidence, and I'll tell you, that's what I got from my mom. I got her self-confidence, and I'm thankful for that. Now, I'm telling you, when we're saying all this, here's the thing, ladies. Are any of us moms perfect? Are any of us dads perfect? No. Are we perfect moms? No. No one is, but we are a work in progress. And when we talk about all the great moms or the women of the Bible, as I've done in years before, and after all, motherhood plays an important part in the Bible from the beginning to the end. But I'm going to let you know of some of the great moms, starting at the very beginning. So at the very beginning was Eve, and Eve was the first woman. Oh, just throw it on the floor. I can't get it anyways. She was the first mother of many to come. Genesis 4.1 says she became pregnant and gave birth to Canaan. To Can Cain. I always say Canaan. I don't know why I do that. Cain. And Sarah, though her womb was closed, God promised that Abraham would be the father of nations and kings and that it was through... This is where people forget. God said it would be through his wife, Sarah. Sarah stepped out of the will of God. It wasn't for anybody else to bless him that way. It was through his wife, Sarah. But Sarah was quite old and would come to pass. And for Sarah to give birth at that age, it was just like, yeah, that's not going to happen. But she did. She gave birth to Isaac, and God was faithful to keep his promises. And Sarah gave birth to a son, and it says that he made her laugh. Leah was the firstborn and overlooked by her husband, Jacob, who gave his heart to her younger sister, Rachel. God saw that she was hated and God opened her womb and despite Jacob, blessed her with six sons, blessed her with motherhood and six sons. So of course, in some cultures, even today, to have a son is like a crown of glory. She had six. She was thought of as a blessed woman. Jochebed, 
uh, sacrificed her motherhood for the good of her son Moses. And when Pharaoh's daughter saw the child, she had compassion on him and raised Moses as her own. Because of Jacobet's sacrificial motherhood, the Israelites found freedom. Well, I can tell you, and I'm going to ask Lisa Seaman to come up here. We made a mistake last year. And Lisa, I apologize to you. Because when we had Mother's Day last year, we said the newest mom. We were meaning the mom that maybe had the newest baby. But they had just gotten done adopting Easton. And that is just as important of a mom. So I love you. Absolutely. That has bothered me all year. And as much as I want to be careless and throw it on the floor, it's going to bother me. So um, that has just bothered me. How many of you in here, go ahead and raise your hand if this is you. And I'm going to ask you, if you don't want to say it, you don't have to. If you were adopted, raise your hand. If you adopted, if you adopted a child, raise your hand. Okay, so all those, I'm going to start up here, and I want you to yell out, adoptee or adopted? If you adopted a child. Adopted, if you were adopted. Adoptee, I can't. Adoptee, adopted, okay. Adopted, adoptee, okay. Adopted, okay. Anybody else back here? What did you say? Adoptee, adopted, adoptee, adoptee, adopted, adoptee. We got a whole line of adopt. Oh, and now you're adopting. I'm one of those. Yeah. Adopted. adopted. You've adopted a whole crew. Yes. <laughs> but you know what? What a blessing. What a blessing. And I. <clears throat> Naomi was a mother who experienced the loss of her sons but gained a daughter through Ruth. Ruth declared, Where you go, I will go. Your people will be my people. Your God will be my God. Naomi and Ruth became family through faith. Mary was a virgin and not yet married, but was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. The motherhood of this blessed woman was more than the continuation of a name. It was to bring a savior into the world and to save each of us of our sins. Mary was a virgin and not yet married and was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. The motherhood of this blessed woman was more than the continuation, as I said. Um, but it was to bring a Savior into the world to, seek, to save us. Now, from the garden, as you can see, from the garden to the cross, there has always been mothers. These women have paved, have paved the way for all women representing a spectrum of ways a woman can be called mom. Whether a mother of faith, in faith, in mentorship, and adoption, or by birth, you play an important part in the stories of generations to come. But to be honest with you, this year, we're not going to sit here and talk about all the great moms. Because here's the thing. Every year after we get done with Mother's Day, I have women approach every year and say, it hurts my heart because you talk about all these great moms, and I was raised by a really rotten mom. My mom was mean to me. My mom abused me. My mom starved me. I recently was watching on TV of a mother 
who was like, oh, come on. You can't tell me all children haven't tried Elpo once or while, once in a while. So if I, that's all I had to feed was the dog food. Okay, if you got, you're feeding a dog over buying food for your children. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I just got a problem with that. But you know what? I want to talk to you today about some of the worst moms in the Bible. Because here's the bottom line. None of us are perfect. None of us are. Jezebel, she corrupted her husband and caused the destruction of her entire family. As a woman, as a man, are you being the best you can be or are you leading your family in a destructive way? The murderous mother in 1 Kings 3, 16 through 27. Two women were living together in the same place. Both have babies. The one mother accidentally rolls over onto her baby while sleeping and kills that baby. She quickly wakes up because there's another woman there also, her friend. And she quickly takes her dead baby and lays it next to her friend. And she takes the dead, her, the, her friend's baby that's alive. And she takes the baby into her own bed. Well, when the mother of the other baby wakes up in the morning, she wakes up, realizes baby laying next to her is dead. But she also knows that's not my baby. Jamie, would you know that's not your baby? You know your baby. Sarah, you know your baby, right? You know your baby. Somebody switches babies on you, you're going to know. So leaving the other mother with a dead baby that wasn't hers. I, I can tell you. I, CJ and I had some good friends and I, we thought I was going through a miscarriage and um, we actually lost Rick's twin and we still had Rick. Um, but our friends that lived down the hall from us in our apartment, uh, they actually lost their baby like just the week before we had lost Rick's twin. So at that point, we didn't really realize we'd lost a twin. We just, we were like, what was this? What happened? What's going, we were still like all confused about it all. But either way, we still knew we had a living baby inside of me still. And when my husband was gone to work, they came over and they yelled and they, I was fearful for myself. I thought these two are going to beat me up. They are going to start punching me in the stomach. I honestly thought they were going to. They were so mad at me for still being pregnant. Why did God let me be pregnant and take their baby? Why? And just kept screaming at me. What am I to say? I don't know why. I don't know why one goes and one is left. I don't know. Ask God someday. But here's the thing is that here in 1 Kings 3, 30, 23 through 27, the king said, this one says, my son is alive and your son is dead. Well, that one says, no, your son is dead and mine is alive. Then the king said, bring me a sword. So they brought a sword for the king. And he then gave an order, cut the living child in two and get half to one and half to the other. Now, this is King Solomon, who was considered to be the, one of the, the wisest king. And in verse 26, it says, the woman whose son was alive was deeply moved out of love, out of love for her son and said to the king, please, my Lord, give her the living baby. Don't kill him. But the other said, neither I nor you shall have him. Cut him in two. That's basically felt like what our neighbors were doing to me. If one can't have a baby, neither of us should have it. Then the king gave his ruling, give the living baby to the first woman. Do not kill him. She is his mother. You see, in 2 Kings 6, 24 
through 33. I'm not going to read about that mother. I'm, you want to look that one up, you can look it up yourself. But I can tell you this, I will call her the cannibalistic mother. I tell you, Stephen King can't read some, write some of the stuff that's in the Bible. You look in there and you go, what? But in the beginning, I mentioned Eve as one of the best moms because she was the first mother. And yet she can be thought of as the worst also. One wrong choice on her behalf affected every mother, every person, everyone. Free, I mean, we're still, generations later, it's affected us. You know, when I told you about the two women who the one baby died and the other one was alive, what I didn't tell you was in the Bible, it says that these two women were prostitutes. Does that sound like a picture perfect mom? No. But to me, she was the best mom because she, no matter what she was doing, she was going to love her child enough to make sure he lived. That's a best mom. See, a lot of times you can say, why, Pastor Cheryl, are you telling us about all of the bad moms? Here's the deal. You can't be the best mom until you can forgive those moms that have affected your life, that were the worst. And me mentioning some of the negative ways we affect our children in our words, it's okay. We've all made mistakes. It doesn't mean that when we make these mistakes, we continue. Here's the deal. I know my dad loves me, but my dad has a very different relationship with me than he does our, my siblings. My dad is, people adore my dad. He's a great man. But for some reason through my life, if he came home and mom or anybody else was saying something happened, before he heard the whole story, he would just instantly grab whatever he could grab and start whooping the tar out of me. And I would go to my room crying and somebody would stop him. Um, you know, I remember one time we got home late for curfew. But what dad didn't know is that we had just seen a horrific accident. And the police had stopped us and had to stay there because they needed our stories of what had happened for this accident. I had just witnessed a man laying over his steering wheel burning to death. I had been standing in the ditch. Well, the police were looking for something, but they couldn't get our testimonies till they got done looking. And soon they came by me. And what was in the ditch by me? The woman in the car had been beheaded. And there was her head just a couple feet from me. So when we got home late, and my dad pulled me out of that car and started whooping the tar out of me, and my brother pulled him off me, Here's the deal. I would say, and I say it to my dad even today, my dad loves me, but for some reason, when something goes wrong, my siblings have said, why do you do that to Cheryl? Why do you treat her this way? And he goes, I don't know why I do. I don't. And he would always come to my room when I was up there crying, and he would say, honey, I'm so sorry. I love you so much. I'm so sorry. And as a little girl, I looked at him one day and I said, quit saying you're sorry because sorry means you're going to stop what you're doing and you're not stopping. So I can tell you from that point forward, I chose to believe that my dad loves me 
in his own way. It doesn't mean I have to accept that that's how I need to be treated to know I'm loved. Do you understand that? I don't have to have a husband who beats me to go, okay, that's how men show love. Let me tell you, he ever hits me, he goes to bed, he's going to get a cast iron frying pan in the head when he wakes up. <laughs> it's like, that's all there is to that. It's like, remember, my mama raised me with a good self-esteem. But in college, one of my professors, my degree was behavioral science, and one of my professors did this. My professor said, for the next 30 days, men, women, children, I want you all to do this. For the next 30 days, I want you to find a mirror in your house, and I want you to stand in front of it, and I want you to look yourself right in the eye and say, I love you because you are a good person. I love you because no matter what size you are, I am beautiful. I love you. And you start saying all the things about yourself that you love about yourself. Because let me tell you, it's through doing that, that if you don't have a good self-esteem, it will build you up. But I can tell you, this mirror right here, you've probably looked up here and seen what a beautiful antique mirror it is. Some of you may have noticed, but most of you haven't noticed this big chunk missing out of it. See, in your lives, there's a lot of you that have a chunk missing out of you. You have a piece that's been hurt. Some of you have been raised by the greatest moms. I was blessed to be great, raised by the greatest mom and a great dad. As long as nobody in the family did anything wrong, we were all good. <laughs> it's like, you know, somebody had to be the whipping post. But let me tell you, we all got a chunk out of us somewhere. Does that mean that that mirror's not beautiful? Absolutely not. It's still a beautiful mirror. You are still beautiful. And God has something special for you. But, you know, part of it is that you have to start forgiving the one that hurt you, and you have to start forgiving yourself. Because let's be honest, some of us aren't perfect moms. Let's just be honest. I can tell you one of the things that I learned in psychology class, and I have a difficult time with it, so please don't ever tell me if you do this to your child, because I just, I have a problem with it. Don't tell me if you slap their face, okay? And if that's your way at home, that's... That's between you and God. But in my psychology classes, I learned that one of the quickest ways to destroying a child's self-esteem is slapping of the face. A slap to the face tears down their self-esteem. And I'm telling you, some of you have been there. You've had that slap to the face, and you know what it means. You know how it did, what it did to you. Now, I can tell you, our son, Rick, um, I went through three years that were pretty rough. And I put our family through a whole lot in those three years. I didn't intentionally do it. I kept going to the doctor saying something's wrong with me. I don't know why they didn't like lock me up. Because I told them, I could kill somebody today and go home and smile about it. I, I'm raging inside. Something's wrong with me. you got to help me. Oh, your hormone levels, everything's fine. In the meantime, our son Rick was going through his own stuff. And so it could be pretty explosive between the two of us. And I will never forget the day that I turned around and slapped his face. I'll never forget that. I so, felt so ashamed of myself. So it was something I felt so strong about. And let me tell you, you say, well, you don't live with my kid how mouthy he is. Well, I tell you, I don't live with your kid. I don't know how mouthy they are. And that's something that you have to work out with what you do. And that was just my rule. I... My sister, she could wash her kids out. She had the 
pump soap, just shoot it in their mouth, you know, if they said something bad. And, you know, she, that, so, you know, our son Rick was six and got mouthy, so I got the bar of soap. Here. Oh, no. I helped him brush his teeth. I got a bowl of ice cream for him. I'm like, don't ever make mother do that again. That was awful. You know, it was like, no, just come here and sit on the couch. What, what show do you want to watch? What do you want? I was like, it destroyed me to do that. I, it was just me. I, it, I, I couldn't do it. That whole soap in the mouth thing, that, that's just not me. If that's you, knock yourself out. It's just not me. But I'm telling you, that no matter what you've had go on in your life, you have been made beautifully and wonderfully. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. You may have made mistakes. Maybe you have, there's kids out there that are saying, my mom has an addiction. My dad has an addiction. And they think that that addiction is a sign that you love that more than you love them. And you can sit here and you can feel, and I'm not saying this to make any of you feel guilty. I'm not. What I'm saying to you today is this, God can set you free. He can set you free from anything, and he's already chosen to forgive you. He loves you, and he says you are fearfully and wonderfully made. No matter what you think your shortcoming is, it's not, because God loves you, and he has said, I've called you special. I've called you special. Don't you dare believe Satan's lies that you're a failure, because you have been made special. And God loves you and he forgives you. You got to forgive yourself. It's nothing more than you forgiving yourself. So I've asked some men to help me. And if they would come forward at this time, one of the things that my husband says is quit beating yourself up over the past. As my husband always says, yesterday is a history. Tomorrow's a mystery and today is a gift. And I want you to walk in today's gift. And so if you can each get your bowls, and so, women, I want you to come up, and I want you to accept a gift that we have from you. And before they come up, I want all of you to join me. I want you to put up Psalms 139 up there again. I want all of you to say this. I, want, I put up there, you are, because I praise you because you are, each and every one of you, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. Do you know that? Do you know that? Do you know that? You're fear Janet, you're fearfully and wonderfully made. Do you know that? You all are. Your works are wonderful, and I know that full well. Do you know it full well? You need to get it in your heart. You need to get it in your knower that I am fearfully and wonderfully made, and your works are wonderful. So if his works are wonderful, then I'm wonderful. It's like... I know what you want to say. I'm beautiful, donkey. <laughs> That's what he's over I know you. Is that what you were thinking? Yep. I'm beautiful, donkey. What movie is that from? Shrek. Okay. But listen, I want all the moms. I don't want just the moms. I want all the women to come forward because I want you all to get a gift today. And then I want you to stay up here and open up your gift so all the women come forward. Whether you're a mom or not, I want you all to come forward because I want you all to believe in yourselves.
Gabriana, am I saying it right? I, I, I know, but she wants us to call her by her big girl name now. It's like, I know I used to be called Sherry, and then they started calling me Cheryl. I hate it. Come on up here. Make room, ladies. Squeeze on in so you can make room. I want all of you to have, open up your gift and stand here and hold it. Fill in, ladies. Make more space. Heather, Kelsey, Chelsea, come on in here a little closer. Patty, come on in there a little bit closer so more people can get in behind you there. And the reason why I'm saying I want all the girls up here too is because I want you to start believing in yourselves now before you become mothers. I want you to start believing in who you are. You are beautifully and wonderfully made. God has created you special. Some of you are saying, well, it sounds good, but I'm going home and I'll just start believing in the worst of me again. Don't you dare. Don't you dare. You speak it over you. Does everybody have a gift now? Open it up. Open it up. It says on the outside of it, it says that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. And we're going to say that scripture verse together again. So here, I'm going to pray over you first. And when I get done praying over you, then we're going to say this scripture together. Lord Jesus, I pray over all the moms here today. And I pray for all the women and all the young ladies, Lord, right now, that you will touch them that you will give them a new boldness, that, Lord, that they will rise up and they will be better than what they were yesterday. That, Lord Jesus, you will rise them, raise them up, Lord Jesus, that they will be world changers for you, Lord Jesus. Lord, I pray that they will believe in themselves, they will have a new boldness. No addiction, nothing can hold them down. No lies from the pit of hell can keep them down. Lord, right now, in the name of Jesus, help them to believe in the beautiful and wonderful and fearfully made creation that you have made them. Lord, I thank you. I praise you for each and every one of them. In your wonderful and precious name. Now, you can look in your mirror, but I want you to say this scripture verse with me. If you need to, look up on the screen as you say it. But I want you to take this scripture verse and speak it over yourself every day. On the count of three, let's say it together. One, two, three. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful and I know them full well. Psalms 139, 14. Do you believe in yourselves? Do you believe you're, but you are a gift. You are a gift from God. Now, I heard right before service, I'd like us to take just a minute. I heard right before service, a lot of you know that... Um, Renee Clowitter uh, was diagnosed with cancer and, you know, they've done surgery and things. But for some reason, she's running a fever today and she's getting a rash and they're not sure what this is being caused from. So I'd like to take just a moment to pray for Renee that God would touch her body right now. Lord, we bring Renee before you. I know there's others here also that have been going through with diagnosis of, of cancer lately. Lord, Becky and others. And Lord, we pray that you heal each and every one. But right now, whatever this situation is for, uh, for Renee that is causing this fever and this rash, Lord, we ask right now that you will heal her right now. Take this away. Let them figure out what's going on. But Lord, you are the great physician. You can perform a miracle right now. And we thank you because, Lord, we know that having a temperature when you have cancer is not a good thing. So, Lord, we ask that you just take this temperature away. Lord, we give you all the praise and the glory and the honor. And all God's people said, amen. So happy Mother's Day. I love you all. And thank you so much. Be blessed. Thank you for listening to this week's message from Adventure Church. Would you consider a financial gift to help support this ministry? Giving is simple and safe. Just go to our website, www.adventurechurchsiren.com, and click on the Give tab. 
Thank you for your generous gift.